Hi, welcome to the City View Phoenix podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, hey, good morning, everyone. Family services, we're trying to make them. So what we do, every Sunday that lands on a holiday weekend, we make those family services for a couple reasons. One, um, it gives our, our team members and all the different people. Is there something up here you need? Okay, cool. Um, it gives them a weekend to be able to maybe take it off. They want to go away camping, except for if you live in Arizona and your forests are closed, then you can't do anything. Um, but that's really the heart. And so we w- we're trying to make our family services as fun as possible. I was supposed to have a donkey today. But um, I'll be honest with you. The, the donkey got shot down because we weren't allowed to do it. It's, and it's because this isn't our property. And if it was our own home and we owned it, then I could do whatever I wanted. So imagine if I could do whatever I wanted, the freedom I could have and have donkeys and who knows what else I would do on this stage, fly? Um, I don't know. But, um, but so we're excited for what God has. And uh, I, my, my family and I, we just, got on, we just came back from a road trip. We drove 4,500 miles, um, 87 hours in the car. I don't even know how many gallons of gas. By the end of it, our Ford, our expedition, was getting 20 miles to the gallon. Um, And the constant words I heard on our trip was, can I have a snack? It was not me. Um, can I have a snack? And I, I don't know about you, but how many of you, any of you go on road trips, you go, whether it's up the flag or, or up even farther than that, how many of you go on road trips? Anybody been on a road trip before? What's your favorite road trip snacks? Just shout it out. Let me hear it. I want to hear what you guys, what are your favorite road trip snacks? What is it? Beef jerky. Licorice. Sunflower. Yeah, what kind? Crackpell with mine too, mine too. What do you like? Fruit snacks. Anybody else? What favorite snacks? Favorite drink in the in the car? What what's your favorite thing in the car on a road trip? What do you you have to have it? You go on a road trip, it's a must have. What is it? Coffee. Mountain Dew trail mix. My kids like those gummy sharks. Joel likes dill pip, pickle sunflower seeds. Oh, um, and then my son Judah likes, he changes it up. He was eating those like wax things that are full of some kind of juice. You know what I'm talking about? You chew on it and then you spit it out. Um, so throughout our trip, we heard the words, can I have a snack? Now we have a snack bin. You know those yellow bins that you buy at Costco, those black and yellow ones? That was our snack bin. It was full of food and all the different kind of stuff that you might need on a road trip. The thing is, for any of you who are parents, you know you cannot survive on snacks. They only last for a moment. They're usually ridiculously expensive, and they never satisfy. And so there were times on our road trip that my kids would say, can I have a snack? And they would think we were the meanest parents in the world when we said no. But here's the reality. You can't always get what you want. But, guess what? My kids always got what they needed. They always got the food they needed. We'd find a stop, whatever town, whether it was in the middle of nowhere, Texas, which is 
That's, that could happen multiple times throughout driving through Texas. But we always got, except for one time we ate at this chicken place, and my kids, they got a little more than they wanted. They got a stomach sickness. Um, but, you know, you've got to try the crazy stops. But my kids learned. You can't always get what you want. Because as parents, we know what, what they want isn't what they need. Because what they needed was to be satisfied. So in life, you may think you're, you're not getting what you want. You may be pursuing and going after all these things and be like, why am I not getting it? Well, it just might be that God is protecting you from something that you might want, but you don't need. Let's pray and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for this morning. God, I thank you for loving us, taking care of us, having a plan for us. And Jesus, I ask that you would encourage us today, that you would speak to us. Lord, if this is our first time ever at church, may we feel welcomed and loved. Lord, may we realize that this is a perfect place for imperfect people. Jesus, I thank you that you have a plan for each and every one of us. Lord, bless churches throughout the valley today. Lord, whether they're at Valley Life, whether they're at New City, Lord, whether they're at Cross Church, Calvary, here at City View, Lord bless us in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, will you guys give it up for Adri and the worship team today? So, Adri got a call, so I don't know how many of you know, Adri is dating our worship leader, Josh, and she got a call last night, hey, I don't know how it went, I'm going to assume it went something like, hey, honey, um, I'm sick. Uh, I have a fever, and I can't lead worship. Is there any way you can? And Adri has never led by guitar before. Um, and so Adri said, sure, babe. I think that was what she said. Um, and then she led, and the team just together, they just did an amazing job. And so give it up for them, because there are those times where you just get stretched and then God moves. So that, that's what happened today. You're like, where's, what, you know, that's just, Adrian, you killed it. So great job. Great job on that. So this morning we're continuing, actually we're finishing the part of our series in this study of Mark of Jesus' no ordinary mission. And we've been looking at these different passages and how Jesus' mission was nothing like anybody else. It was, it was nothing like any other mission we had seen and, and how he had kicked off and the kind of people he was picking to, to come alongside him. And then we looked at the last couple of weeks, sort of this idea of, of some of the, the people, like they, they were not happy that Jesus would dine with sinners and tax collectors, and it didn't make sense. And today we're coming to the end of this mission, where the people just didn't understand. They didn't understand. They, they wanted one thing, but they didn't realize they were going to get something completely different. I don't know if you've ever been misunderstood before, but that's sort of the spot where Jesus is. He's entering his last week of life, last week of life, and he is, he, he, he's getting ready to, to go and die on a cross, and, and as he's entering this last week, he, 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 throughout these, these many years, three years of, of people learning about him and learning who he was and, and people deciding to follow him, they, they never really put two and two together on who he was. Many thought maybe, maybe he came to, to be this conquering king to finally get rid of Rome. That's what they thought. They, you know, in, in those times of, of the, when the Bible's being written, it was during the time when Rome sort of was taking over the world. And Rome was ruling over in Israel, and, and the people of Israel hated it because they couldn't do what they wanted to do. 
They couldn't be what they wanted. It's sort of like, have you ever been in that spot where you can't do everything you want and somebody's telling you what you have to do? That's sort of what Israel, they feel like they can't, they can't do anything they want to do and they have this evil ruler over them that hates them. You see, they wanted a king. They wanted a ruler. They wanted someone who would do what they wanted. But you can't always get what you want. You get what you need. And that's what we're going to learn about today. So if you have a Bible, turn with me to Mark chapter 11, verse 1. If you don't have a Bible, the verses are going to be up behind me on the screen. If you have the YouVersion Bible app downloaded on your phone, open that up, click on, you can go to it. We have all the verses and all my main points are going to be in there. On the bottom right-hand corner of that, you see three little lines. It's more. It's going to take you to a page that says events, and there on events, you can click on that, and you're going to see all city views should be there if you have your location settings on. But we're in Mark chapter 11, verse 1. It says, and as they approached, meaning Jesus and his disciples and this crowd of people, as they approached Jerusalem at Bethpage in Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the village opposite you, and immediately as you enter in, you will find a colt tied there on which no one yet has ever sat. Untie it and bring it to me. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? You say to them, the Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it back here. So they went away and found a colt, a donkey, tied at the door outside in the street, and they untied it. And someone, one of the bystanders, were were saying to them, what are you doing untying that colt? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had told them, and they gave them permission. So can, can you imagine, I want you to, Put yourself in this story right now. Can you imagine? Jesus comes to you. You're friends with him. You're one of his friends. And he says, hey, I need that bike across the street. Okay? Will you go and just take it for me? What would you do if Jesus told you to go and get that bike? Because, and I mean, yeah, he's getting a donkey, but... We don't have those randomly parked outside of our house, but we have bikes. So can you imagine if Jesus one day said, hey, I need, you know, I need that, I need that bicycle right now. Will you go and get it? And as a disciple, you're like, well, Jesus, what the, I can't go and just steal stuff. That's, that's pretty much what Jesus, what the disciples were probably thinking. This is what you're asking us to do. Growing up as a kid, I, I always thought in my mind, Jesus wants them to go steal a donkey. Yeah, it's Jesus, and I'm like, okay, Jesus can, I guess he could do whatever he wants. He, he made the donkey, but still, you don't go and steal somebody else's donkey. And, and so can you imagine this whole story of being the disciples, being two of the disciples, and we don't know which two they were, being the two disciples that, that they all of a sudden they're told, Jesus says, hey, will you go and get these, the, that, that donkey for me? Um, will you go and get that bike for me? It's, it's, it's parked at that person's house. They don't know the person. They don't know the person at all. They've never been there. They don't know the dude's house. And they go and they take that donkey. Can you imagine that? What would you do as a friend? What was that conversation like? What if they catch us? I'm going to go to jail today for stealing a donkey. Jesus wants us. I thought Jesus like preached this whole thing like don't steal, be a good person. You know, we gave food to everybody, but he wants us to steal a donkey. Can you imagine this conversation the two disciples have? So they get there. They're looking around. 
don't know. I, I, it might say in one of the other gospels who it was, but I didn't, to be honest, I didn't even look into it. You got Peter. You're like, okay, Andrew, because they're brothers. Brothers would do something like this. They're best friends. You got my back, Andrew? Yeah, okay, I'm going to. So he's untying it. And the guy says, what are you doing to my donkey? And he says, Jesus needs it. The guy's like, all right, cool. That's it? Well, yeah, Jesus talked to me earlier. He talked to me yesterday, and he said he needed my donkey. Because when you read this story, when you find out, you realize that Jesus probably had a relationship with this guy, with the owner of the colt. And he told him ahead of time, hey, I'm going to send two friends tomorrow. I'm not going to tell them that I already set this up with you. I'm going to let, just let them go and let them totally freak out, because that's what friends do. I think Jesus maybe had a sense of humor, whether he really did it this way or not. I don't know, but Jesus wasn't some uptight, weird Weird, weird prude guy, okay? Jesus was funny. He had a sense of humor. He had a way of doing things. Jesus was a real person. We gotta understand. So I wonder if, if at some point Jesus was like, I'm, I'm so not gonna tell the disciples, and they're totally gonna freak out when the guy walks outside, and I'm just gonna tell them, hey, just say, I need it. And they're like, oh yeah, like the guy all even knows who you are, Jesus. Just like, who doesn't know me? I mean, I'm Jesus. And so they go and they bring that colt back. But why does he need this colt? I don't know if you know anything about the Bible, whether you do or not. There's nowhere else in the Bible that Jesus is ever riding on anything other than a boat. You never see him riding. He's walking everywhere. The last time he was on a colt was when he entered Bethlehem in his mother's stomach. That was the last time he was on a donkey, as far as we know. We never see another time where he's on a donkey until this, his final entry into Jerusalem again. Why does he need to be on it? Well, you see, Jesus knew his mission was so much bigger than anything and everything else. Jesus knew that his plan was so much bigger that there were prophecies written about him hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before he was born. And Jesus entering into the city was about to answer a prophecy. And it comes from Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, where it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is, he is just and endured with salvation, humble and mounted on a, on a donkey, even on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. You see, the Jews, they, they were expecting this, this, this religious leader. They were expecting a king to come in and sort of take over everything for them. They were expecting this Messiah, this Savior. They knew he would come, and they knew that there would be signs of his coming. They knew one of them would be that he would enter the city with triumph. But they thought he was going to enter the city with triumph, meaning a Daniel chapters 10 and 11 kind of triumph. This mighty king, this king that was going to going to come in and take over this king that was going to come in and just take you just bust heads and that's what he was going to do that's what they were expecting because they knew like if we are good enough people if we're worthy enough this is their thought jesus the, or the messiah not jesus they didn't know who really jesus was the messiah is going to come and he's going to just take over that's their thought they had this assumption they had this idea that everything's going to work out how they wanted it to but then Jesus comes in on a donkey, which didn't fit their motive of a conquering king. 
It didn't fit their idea of having this amazing, amazing triumphal entry. Because for him to come in on a donkey meant they were a broken, unworthy people. And we don't like to ever think of ourselves as unworthy. We like to think of ourselves as having it all together. Having it figured out. Knowing what we should do. I think that's what made last year so hard is nobody ever knew what we were doing. I, I hate when I have to take my car into the shop because I, I don't know a lot about cars. And I, I don't, we don't ever like to be in that place of unknowing. We like to be in control. So the people of Israel, they, they were thinking this Messiah was going to come and this, this Savior, this mighty King was going to be this triumphant. But he comes in on a donkey. They thought, what is this? I thought we were worth so much more than this. We can all struggle with that way of thinking. They wanted this conquering king. But they needed a mighty savior. You see, you can't always get what you want. But you get what you need. So picture with me this city now. Jesus, he gets this donkey, the disciples bring him to him. He's getting ready to enter the city. The city is full of people. There's, there's thousands and thousands of people in the city at this time because it's Passover. Passover is a huge day to celebrate. It's a huge day to just party and, and just remember the, the past and all these things. So the people, that's what's going on right now in, in this city. And the people knew that Jesus, he was somebody special. This, this crowd, they, they knew that he was somebody special. They, they had watched him just raise this guy named Lazarus from the dead, the same crowd that is walking with him. They had seen him do these amazing things. They had, they had seen him multiply food. They had seen him heal and cast out demons. So they knew there was something special about him. They knew he meant something. They just didn't quite know who he was. They had this assumption, they had this idea. We, we think he's a, a king that's going to get rid of Rome. That's what they thought. It says in verses 7 and 8 of Mark chapter 11. So they, they brought the colt to Jesus and, and they put their coats on top of him. And at this point I would have had a donkey right here. If you could picture, use your imagination. I would have had a donkey right here. And I would have put some coats on that donkey. But I don't have a donkey, so use your imagination. And it says he sat on it. And then as he was going, many spread their, their, their coats on the road and others spread leafy branches which they had cut from their fields. If I could have a few kids come up and volunteer. I need some kids right now. Any kid that wants to, I need you to come up on stage right now. Any kid, doesn't matter. Come on up here. I need you to go and grab one of these branches, any of the branches that you want. Grab whatever branch you want right now. And then you're gonna come up on stage, Okay. Grab a branch, grab a palm, palm branch, grab whichever ones you want, okay? Grab those, okay? I need more kids. Any other kids up here? I need all the kids, all the kids up here, all the kids, all the kids. So any kids, every kid that played the game, any, all the rest of you come on up here, okay? Awesome, got another one. Go grab one. Okay, I want you guys to make two sides. So one of you, like you're going to battle each other with the branches. Okay, you come over on this side, okay? Joel, you come over here, okay? I need one volunteer that's a dude 
one man volunteer. Okay, come on up. You're going to be Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you could start over there. Kids, you come on this way. So here, so don't start yet. I'm going to tell you what to do. Okay, kids? Get closer. Make two lines. There you go. Okay. Joel, you're not blocking Jesus. Sitting right here. Okay? Okay, so... Here's, so the crowd, they're, real, they're, they're seeing Jesus. Jesus is coming on a donkey. Pieces are starting to fall into place. They're realizing, wait a minute, this guy Jesus, he, he's healing people. He's doing all these crazy miracles. He, he's, he's saving people from the dead. He, he's, he's casting out demons. He's multiplying food. He's not some ordinary guy. And now he's entering their city, their holy city, on a donkey. And they're like, what in the world is happening right now? They're realizing he's a bigger deal. And so it says then, it says verse um, 9, it says, those who went in front and those who were following shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So kids, I want you to shout this phrase right here. So if you, I don't know if you could see the phrase. Your eyes might be able to. I want you to shout that phrase, Hosanna, okay? Hosanna, say it with me. Hosanna, and Jesus start walking down with us. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Kids, go ahead and shout. And wave your branches. Okay, I'm gonna go get a branch. So this, kids, you gotta shout it. Hosanna, Hosanna, shout Hosanna, Hosanna. Hosanna, Hosanna, shout it. Come on, kids. Hosanna, Hosanna. So this is what would be happening. They'd be throwing their coats. They'd be throwing their palm branches on the ground. You guys are going to keep doing this because Jesus is going to walk back through in just a little bit. And, and, and they're shouting this from Psalm 118, which is this, this psalm that would be proclaimed, remembering that God is going to keep his promises. Kids, keep waving those things. Jesus, you can walk on back through. And so you have this huge scene. Now, to, in their mind, a triumphal entry only happened when some king or ruler or general conquered like an army of over 5,000, that's when a triumphal entry would happen. Jesus hadn't conquered anything. But what they didn't realize is that Jesus had conquered more than they ever thought or imagined. And so you have these Galilean people, these, these, these peasants and these people who, who were not much. And they're seeing that this Jesus guy, guys, keep shouting Hosanna. Shout Hosanna with me. Hosanna. Yeah, so go for it. Hosanna. Hosanna. Say it loud. Hosanna. Hey, parents, people out here, can you guys help me out? Hosanna. 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 So you have this shouting, and it says, verse 10, this says, Blessed is he who comes of our father David. Say it with me now, kids. Hosanna in the highest. Say it, kids. People, say it with me. Help the kids, because they're like shy right now. Thank you guys so much. Go ahead and put, will you put these back for me? Give it up for the kids right there. So you have this scene. Jesus is coming. He's on this donkey. They wave branches because it's, it's a symbol of, of royalty. It's a symbol of, of honor. It's a symbol of, of respect. They threw their coats so it was like a red carpet. But we catch a phrase here on what they really wanted. I don't know if you caught it. It says, 
Blessed is he, or it says, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. That tells you the heart. We'd have to go back a slide because I cut it from that one. You see, they wanted a king like David. Jesus never spoke of the kingdom of David. He only spoke of the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of David was just a royal kingdom. It was, it was a kingdom that you just sort of had your life, did what you wanted, had, you know, did whatever you wanted to do. But the kingdom of God, it changed you from the inside out. It helped you become the person that you so wanted to be. You see, we, we have this idea, it's, it's weird, we live in this culture now where we have this idea where if, if everybody was, was equal pay, if everybody had equal rights, or not equal rights, I mean, that's, that's a given. If everybody just sort of had equal, if we lived in this utopian society, where it didn't matter whether you worked or not, didn't matter whether you did or not, didn't matter, but you had, everybody had everything, that somehow life would be perfect. How many of you ever read those stories of those super rich kids that are spoiled brats, but they become terrible people? They have everything, everything given to them, yet somehow they want more. I mean, I've been reading stories lately of different professional athletes who become thieves. I mean, look, look at OJ. And you can have your own idea on what happened. Some of you don't even remember that whole case and the white Bronco and all that. But you see, the people of Israel, they wanted this king David. They wanted a king that would do what they wanted. They wanted this life that would be what they thought would be the perfect life. They wanted, they thought, man, if we could just have our own king, if we could just have our own stuff, if we could just have our own life and do things our way, then everything would be perfect. But the problem is, we're still broken. And we still are in need. Because broken stays broken until the healer fix it, fixes it. And Jesus knew they didn't need some triumphal king to walk in. They didn't need some guy to come in and take over Rome. They needed someone to come in and take over their hearts. They needed someone to come and answer that heart's cry that we all have. That desire of, of knowing that we're loved, that desire of knowing that we're forgiven, that desire of knowing that, that, that there's something more to life than just living. And they all had that. That's been the same craving from the beginning of wanting to know that it's going to be okay. That, that idea hasn't changed but the only way for that satisfaction to be done in our hearts, Jesus knew it didn't matter whether you had money, didn't matter whether you had the right king or president or whatever you want to call it. Didn't matter if you have the right job or the right husband or right wife or perfect kids. Didn't matter any of that. Jesus knew having all that 
It's just a bigger distraction. I'm reading through the Bible right now, reading through it in a year. And I'm reading about King Solomon and like his peace all throughout his reign. He wasn't that great of a guy. He had a whole bunch of wives and girlfriends. And then his son takes over. And he gets wisdom from the old guys. And he says, hey guys, how can I rule? How can I be a good king? And the old guys say, hey, you know what? Lighten up. Your dad was a little tough. Then he goes to the young guys. He said, okay guys, this is the advice I got from the old guys. What do you guys think? And his friend's like, no, you need to be harder and meaner and more aggressive and take more and be that ruler that they're scared of. And so he said, okay, I'm going to do that. And guess what? He loses He thought, man, if I just do this, if I just be this, this hard king that, that rules the people, but the, thing is the people, they're broken and they needed a savior. And we are broken and we need to be fixed. We're all broken. They wanted to fix it themselves. They wanted the Jesus to come in and be this conquering king. But when Jesus rode in triumph that day, Jesus' triumphal entry was triumph over sin and death. When Jesus entered that city, the triumph he was walking in was that he was going to conquer sin and death forever. Mark chapter 11, as they shouted, Mark chapter 11, verses 9 and 10, Hosanna, blessed is he, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. You see, Jesus didn't want to just be a king, but he wanted to be the king of their heart. That's what he wanted, the king of their heart. Because we all have kings and queens of our hearts. We all have things that are ruling our hearts and ruling our lives and directing our paths and helping us make choices. But Jesus says, but I can help you make the best choices. I can help you live the best life. Jesus didn't want them just to live, and they, they were shouting, thinking, oh, yay, finally Rome's going to go. And Jesus says, no, I want the space in your heart that you think only you can sit on. You see, Jesus wants to be the king of our heart today. We will continue to look for something or someone to rule our hearts. We do it all the time. We're looking for something to satisfy that place in our hearts. Worship team, you can come up. We're looking for something or someone to satisfy that, that place, that, that spot in our heart. We're looking and we're wanting it. We're craving it. And we put different rulers in our hearts and it changes throughout life. When you're young, and I don't know, for different people, it's, it's sports, it's popularity, it's, 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 it's being known when you get older, maybe it's your job, it's your degree, it, it's all those kind of things, and all of a sudden that becomes that. And then, then when you get married, it's maybe finding a spouse that becomes a top priority in your life. And then once you find a spouse, it's making sure you have the right home, the right backyard, the right stuff. And then once you get your job, it's, it's having the right career, it's making enough money, it's having all these things. And we continue to put a new king in our heart. And that king rules and tells us how we're never matching up, doesn't it? 
That king gets harder and harder and says, look at your failing. Look at your failing. Look at you're not being a good enough this. You're not being a good enough that. You're not doing this. You're not conquering that. You're not and you're not. You're not. And you just keep giving your heart more and more. And Jesus says, can I have that space? Because with Jesus, there, there is no pressure like that. Jesus says, come to me all who are weary who are tired, who are broken, who are hurting and who are needy. Come to me, Jesus says. When Jesus entered that city that day, and they were proclaiming, Hosanna, Hosanna means save now. They had no idea that what they needed saving from was from themselves. Jesus wanted that place, that place in their heart that would say, I'm going to make it okay. It's not really what they wanted. You see, you can't always get what you want, but you get what you need. But the sad thing about that statement, it's, it's not fully true, is it? Because sometimes you're given what you want. Sometimes what you want is the worst thing for you. Have you ever let your kids hurt themselves or do something that you know is not the best, but they keep fighting and fighting and pushing and pushing and finally like, okay, if you want to try it, go for it. It's going to hurt. No, it's nothing like they're going to die. But you're like, fine, okay. Maybe somebody lets you, you keep pushing and pushing, you want to try something, and you finally, you, you just keep pushing, they're like, well, fine, okay. Maybe in your life, doors keep closing in your life. Doors keep closing, and you keep pushing them open. Have you ever done that? You keep pushing them open, pushing them open, pushing them open, until finally you get what you want. But once you get what you want, you realize it's not what you need. You ever done that? Sometimes the very reason the door is closed is because God's standing there going, you don't need this. I remember my wife and I, it was 2006, five, it was 2000, no, it was 2006. And I really wanted an F-250 quad cab four by four. I really wanted one. I had a Toyota King cab, 1991. Loved it. Red truck, lifted, 4x4. Four four. Loved the great truck. We, we lived out in Surprise. I don't know how many of you remember this, but then gas prices started to skyrocket soon after that. I really wanted a truck. But I didn't get it. Because I started thinking, maybe I don't need that payment right now. So you know what I bought? A 2006 Scion XB. That's what I got. A, I still have it today. It's out in the parking lot. It's a white little box car. If you're wondering, who drives that thing? It's my car. And then after I got that car, gas prices were insane. But I realized I didn't get what I wanted, but I sure got what I needed. Because that saved me. Even now when gas prices go up, I don't spend much over $30. Some of you are like, that's not fair. 
can't fit much. It's not the coolest thing on the road, but it gets me from here to there. You see, there are times in life where doors close because God is saying you don't need them. And maybe you're looking at your life going, God, why is my life not working? Well, who's sitting on the throne of your heart? Who's the king of your heart right now? You're like, I I don't ever feel happy. I don't ever feel joy. I just, ever since this day, and I don't know, you pick that day in your life. Ever since this, I feel like my life has never felt the same. Well, maybe it's because something was removed and that hole that has always been there is now gaping and it needs to be filled but can only be filled with one thing. And that one thing that all of our hearts can be filled with is Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, let me, let me be the king of your heart. Let me have a triumphal entry into your life. Let me fill all the needs, the hurts, and the pains that you so desire to cover. Let me cover them. Let me fill them. Let me heal you. You see, making making Jesus the king of your heart means surrendering to him, saying, okay, Jesus, I give up. I can't. I can't. Allowing him to change you from the inside out. When you allow him to do that, it changes how you changes how you live. It changes how you are a, a husband or a wife. It changes how you are a boyfriend or a girlfriend. It changes how you parent. It p- changes how you work. Living in such a way shouts the same as those people on that day. Hosanna, save now, Jesus. says, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the King. That's what these shirts mean. When you see somebody get baptized, this shirt, yes I am. The yes I am is saying, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the King. That's who's on my heart. That's who's on the throne of my heart. That's who's in my heart and living for me. You see, we may not always get what we want. But Jesus will always give us what we need. And that's the truth. So I don't know where you're at today with Jesus. I don't know what your next step might be. For some of you, your next step might be realizing that you've been the king of your heart, the queen of your heart for your whole life. Your next step might be realizing that you need to step off and let Jesus It might be realizing that Jesus died for you, that he loves you, and that he has a better life for you. That might be your next step. It's saying, okay, Jesus, I surrender. For some of you, your next step might be saying, you know, I've given my life to Jesus, but I want to be baptized. And we have one person getting baptized today. If you're getting baptized today, why don't you go and stand up and go meet us over here in the corner, and then we're going to get that going. I think think you have to meet him back there by where the light is. That might be your next step today. You're like, but I don't know. I don't have any clothes to change into. Well, I can tell you, I'm going right in this because I'm baptizing Aaron. So I'm going to take my shoes off, make sure my little battery pack for this whole headset is off, and I'm going to get in there So, because I have a change of clothes. And we have a change of clothes for you. So if that's your next step today, then take it allowing Jesus to have that place in your life. I don't know what your next step is. It could be as simple as saying, Jesus, 
what do I need to give to you? Because let me tell you, Jesus not only makes your life better, but he makes you better at life. So let's pray. And if your next step today is to surrender your life to Jesus, I want you to pray with me. Pray with me. Say these words. Say, Dear Jesus, I surrender. I have been ruling and reigning in my own life for a long time. And Jesus, I believe that you died for me. So I surrender. And I give my life to you. It's in your name that I pray. Jesus, I don't know where each of us are at in this room. I don't know whether we have you sitting on one side of the throne and we've got maybe a co-pilot. I don't know if maybe we've given you the back seat or maybe we've asked you to step out of the car. But Jesus, I pray that today we'd realize that you love us, that you entered that city, not to triumph over Rome, but to come triumph over sin and death and to take over our hearts so that you might be the reigning king. And Jesus, I ask that you would do something great in our lives today. It's in your name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Did you decide to follow Jesus while listening to this podcast today? We want to celebrate with you and help you with your next steps. Click the link in the podcast description to get connected with a pastor and your next step. If you want to learn more about what's going on at City View, download our City View app through the App Store or the Google Play Store. You can find everything from special events, outreach opportunities, and additional resources all in one centralized location. Links are in the description below. Thanks for listening. For more information, check out our website at cityviewphx.com or download the CityView app on the App Store.